fish on. Hey, Radcast is on. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. From the Porter's 10Cast Studio, here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards. I'm David Merrill. And today we're joined by Extreme Desire TV star, Randy Yao. Randy, how are you this morning? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I don't know about the star part, but well, you're, I'm pretty good. You're a star in our <laughs> book. How's that sound? Uh, I just like to go hunting. <laughs> So, well, I've, I've known Randy for a few years, so I was, uh, I reached out to him and said, Hey, come on the podcast and let's, uh, let's chat a little bit. You know, we just last week did, uh, did an episode with Brian Tucker talking about filming in the outdoors and what people need to do to try and get into that. And, you know, I thought, Hey, let's have Randy on somebody that's actually been there, done it and, you know, had a, had a pretty good run at it. So what was, what was one of your favorite episodes filming, Randy? Favorite episodes, huh? I'd have to say one of my favorite haunts of all time was we had a my grandson, he was 11 years old, and I was a grandpa at 36, let's get that, so I'm, I'm not prehistoric yet, but getting close, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I um, had a grandson, 11 year old, and then we had a hunt of a lifetime, young man, the same hunt, and we went in the backcountry, Arizona, and and they both got great bulls, and it was just very, it was a touching, touching hunt. It was cool. So Yeah, that's really cool. You got a young, young kid, and a young kid, 17, 18 years old, dying of cancer, but that was, that was a fun time. So what um, got you into the outdoors, Randy? Well, my dad was an outfitter when I was growing up, and my grandpa, and just my, that's what my family did. So it's like, you know, it was, um, I can't say that I just got into it. I was born into it. So, um, I didn't know any different, but <laughs> when I was a kid, hunting was very popular as in, you know, you're out there actually bringing in the meat and the stuff like that. And it was an important part of our life, you know, or it has changed in that aspect, obviously. Um, of course, there's, most people are still out there love the natural great meat, but being in the wild outdoors, nothing better. So, And I will say, you know, growing up, I, I had some old horseman blood in my family, and, you know, they that had been passed down to, to have horses and use horses, and, you know, they'd work the land with horses. It wasn't like nowadays where I have horses that are pasture pets and once or twice a year, we oh, take yeah. them out and go yeah. hunting. No, these these guys yeah. were working these horses year round, and it just happened to be they had a rifle in their saddle for whatever reason, and season was around, and they harvested something. Right, right. But, yeah, it's um, you know, the world has changed, but hunting is still it's a great time to be out with the family and friends, and you know, get out there. You want to get go to the gym, go to God's gym out in the wild country. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show, and that's the kind of the theme that David and I have is wanting to get more people outside and get more people involved in the outdoors. And we had Candy on a few episodes back and talked about women's hunting camp, and 
um, you know, I'd encourage everybody to go back and listen to that one, especially if you have some women in your life that you want to get involved with hunting with you. Um, but tell us, right. a, yeah, tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing to, to help recruit people into the outdoors. Well, like I said, those ladies hunting camps, that was Candy's idea seven years ago. And it was, you know, been a great deal. It's, um, like we just finished up, we had two camps this year, both in Oregon, but normally we're going to have one in Arizona and one in a long range one up with the weather bees in um, Wyoming. And we're supposed to have one in Utah, but all those got canceled due to the COVID garbage. And so we had the two Oregonians um, be able to get them pulled off without getting in trouble. So <laughs> we had, a, it turned out great. The girls were at an absolute ball. Those ladies come there and they're not just coming to, there's more to it. You know, when you hear their stories, everybody's there for a reason. There's some reason they want to try something new or get better at what they're doing or whatever it is. But so many of them have just never even been out there. You know, we've had, I'm shocked at how many girls come in there that never hunted in their life or, you know, they just want to, they want to try. I mean, we've had some gals that are almost anti, but they come out there because they want to start living more natural and they they start realizing that reality is the wild outdoors. You know, the cities and everything else is man-made. And, you know, just getting out in reality and God's country, nothing better than that. But yeah, it's, it's been a great deal. I mean, it's shocking how much these gals is, it's almost like a ministry camp he's got going in sense. Yeah. Cause I'm sure a lot of those people, they, I mean, you talked about it, you live in a city, you don't really understand what it's like to procure an animal, what it's like to smell the pine and the sage and be in that backcountry, And so you're giving them an experience that just kind of lights up senses that they've never, they've never had before. Right. Just get learning to get out there and have, you know, confidence. Confidence is everything, no matter what you're doing in life. And you just give them a little bit of confidence because, you know, obviously in three or four day things, all we can do is what's their appetite and point them in the right direction and hope they go for it. But it's cool. Every year we get all these pictures and letters and stuff of what they've done and whether they're successful or not, just, you know, it's changed their world. You know, so many of those gals, that's what they say, you actually changed our life. And it's like, wow, you know, that's kind of cool. Just when you think you get, you just burn out on something and you get a few of those, like, okay, that's why we keep doing this. <laughs> and that's, you know, as far as undertakings, hunting is a, can be a little daunting if you're looking at it from the outside in, right? You know, and not having oh, yeah. a mentor and not even having any clue where to start where, you know, there's a lot of organizations, but I really like your guys. You're you're bringing these these gals in, you know, fresh fresh out of the city and saying, you know, here's A, B, and C. Here's where to start one, two, and three. Now you you've you've got years of of work ahead of you to you know become a hundred percent self sufficient, reliant at this. But here's where you can start. Exactly, because someone that has done it their whole life, you take so much for granted. You assume you know, the basic, tiny little basic things that just seem like everybody knows that not necessarily true. You know I mean? So it's, um, yeah, it's been good for me. Um, Andy, she loves it. It's her passion. And 
I support her in it. And she's, you know, she's a big advocate for the ladies in the outdoors and the Second Amendment rights and everything else. So she's a busy lady, but I let her run with it and back her in every way I can. Well, so I'm, I want to see you guys succeed and we want to do all we can to help you there. But I want to hear a little more about, uh, the filming, how, how'd that start and kind of how did it end and why did it end? Well, it's, um, I guess it hasn't totally ended, but it's certainly scaled back. Um, it started just, you know, I'm out there all the time and I, I was filming as much as I could. We don't hire a big film crew. We're, it's either Candy or I filming or one of the other guys that's just a friend or family that's with us filming. And after a while we decided, well, we should try to put some of this together. And so we put a show together and we ran on Pursuit Channel for a few years and Wild TV in Canada and then in Africa runs over there too. But And then we run local. It still runs here local. And um, But... What's happened to sponsorship, you know, overall, they, everybody's going to social media and that's becoming the new trend. You know, we still have, we have a YouTube channel, Randy and Candy Yow's Extreme Desire. And, you know, our episodes are on there and we throw a few more on now and then. Um, but it's just, you know, social media is, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, something you got to do nowadays. It's just a, one of those things, in my opinion of social media is, you know, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but honestly, back before you had to turn in a resume to be and show your qualifications and this and that, and to be good at something, you basically had to prove it. Nowadays, all you got to be is good at social media. So there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, it's BS, but, you know, it is what it is. And, more power to them. Well, the, the joke we had is, you know, occasionally you'll see a, a YouTube star with their quiver on upside down and their, uh, their, their arrows are sticking a foot above the top limb of their bow. And every time I see that, I'm like, okay, here we go. This guy must really know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm going to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then, yeah, I've watched them and like, oh, and then I just watched them harvest an animal. Like, oh my gosh, this guy has not done this much. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but it's, it's okay, you know. I'm glad that they're doing good and this and that. But like I say, you don't have to know what you're doing per se anymore. You just have to be really good at social media, which is kind of a shame. But so when you started, you you got a GL2 camera, right? Is that the first camera you started with? Got oh, it. Yeah, I was probably started before that. I started when we was shooting eight track or not eight tracks. Um. What do you call them? Things VHS, VHS, yeah, VHS. And I got tons of old footage back when you could run hounds with dogs, or run cats and bear with dogs here in Oregon. We'd film a lot of that with those old things, and then a lot of other stuff. But obviously, that's no no quality to that anymore. But so the technology has definitely progressed since oh, yeah. VHS stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, it's gotten night and run with little bitty cameras and do 10 times the job that you could before. And, you know, and then there's more to it than just walking out there and filming you, you know, you got to have permits to legally film. If you're going to be using it, supposedly making monetary money off of your video. 
so you got to get permits to do this. You can't film in a wilderness. I mean, it becomes kind of a nightmare after a while if you're trying to do everything by the book. And um, yeah, so you just there's more to it than just grabbing a camera around. I guess you know you got to check into all that stuff and be legal and and you can get chased down. I got a guy had a guy chased me around up in the wilderness in Wyoming one time. They yeah. came up there, heard we was up there, and and they gave us a bunch of crap, and we were not filming for our show with that at all. But Yeah, you and I had talked was, about that. You and Candy came, you had drawn, drawn some tags and had gone hunting in the yeah. wilderness, and you weren't even filming for the show. You, were, you guys were just over here enjoying yourselves. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's, you know, we've had a federal agent follow us around for a few days. And like, huh. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, you guys must have a lot of money to spend or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not around you, but whatever. What's the what's the biggest challenge of doing a filmed hunt? What's what's the biggest obstacle that you run into? Well, the more people, as you know, you got staggering around out there in the woods with you, the more harder it is to get the job done, you know. And it, I always said in our show, it's like it's not perfect, but it's real. Because I just, you know, we're not going to go make up a ton of setup stuff afterwards. And we're not going to, you know, if you don't get it, we don't get it. It's just that simple. Because um, you don't get, in the real world, on public land, and I have never, I, I've shot truckloads of bulls and bucks, and I've never killed a bull on, on private property, you know. It's always been public land, and that's, you know, we love it, so. And it's tough, you know, as well as I do. When you get that moment, you better take it because you don't get a lot of them on public land and do-it-yourself type hunt. So, yeah, there's some of those shows that I've seen where they, it's obvious that they staged different things. You know, they did it afterwards. You know, and they they show the yeah. And there's certain little things you're gonna have to do, but as far as the actual hunt, you know, you just right. gotta. You got it, you know, I, for me, it was, I didn't want it to be perfect. I just want it to be as real as possible. And I think people enjoyed that. Um, that's one of the biggest compliments we've got, you know, is that we are seem real to the people and which we are real. And that's, you know, so. I but, can, I can appreciate yeah. that because some of those shows are a little cringeworthy when I know that it's, it's been highly edited and, you know, it, they try to make it look different than you know how it actually happens you know being a hunter you know kind of how it's going to go down and some of the shots you see you're like yeah that didn't happen <laughs> you mean reality yeah. tv isn't real not all the time that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's yeah it's just, you know it's one of those things um i'm glad there, you know people out there doing it and there's some we still have some shows on television because i'm i'm kind of old school i'd rather watch television so i'm gonna relax and sit in front of a computer but nowadays i guess you know watch youtube on your tv and everything else right there so yeah what's so you talked about public land hunting which is what david and i do so um i know a lot of these shows they'll have private ranches and different places that they hunt so Uh most of your shows were you just doing those on public land in oregon or where at no we're all over the West, you know, we, I, we put in for tags and then we 
Western state we can. Um, obviously, if we get lucky and draw a decent tag, that's great. Otherwise, we go buy a tag over the counter somewhere and go hunting. Um, but we're going hunting <laughs> one way or another, you know. And so, yeah, but that's all, all of ours is 100% public land hunts. Um, and that's just, it's our thing. So, you know, not that, hey, if you can get somebody to let you go hunt on a big ranch, more fast crate, you know what I mean? Just go have fun. I'd want a pretty big ranch because I can burn through a few thousand acres in about three minutes. I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? But, what's the, uh, what's yeah. the coolest hunt or what's the, your favorite destination in the West to go hunting? Oh boy. You that's know, a that's a tough one, huh? That is a tough one. Although, you know, I mean, we're, a, I'd have to say we're just some of my best times was like up in the Frank church wilderness in Idaho. Um, you just look for miles out across there. It's just, it's endless. If they could jerk that Frank church wilderness out flat, it's probably bigger than Texas. <laughs> but <laughs> It's a it's a big vast country, you know. Um, and Wyoming, love going up Wyoming country, and you know, I just I don't know. There's for me, it's just anywhere I can just get out and get away from the hustle bustle of everyday life we all get caught up in. So, vitamin D is pretty there. important. Yeah. What's that? Vitamin D is pretty important. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, you know, for us, it's just, you know, I'm just country boy, and that's the way it's going to always be for me. So. so if you were to talk to somebody who wanted to recruit their family members into hunting or their friends, what advice would you give them? Well, that's one, let's go, go back to ladies camp. When you talking to, let's just say your wife or your, daughter or I mean, even your son you know some not everybody wants to just go gung-ho and you got to go with whatever that person wants I mean they may not want to go hike umpteen dozen miles in a day I mean you got to start slow and if, if you burn them out it, it's just gonna hurt you you know I um, mean small smaller thing is trying to teach your wife to shoot a bow or shoot a rifle it don't usually work when the husband's trying to give advice or vice versa. It's just, <laughs> it don't work. That's where we found, you know, if I take candy out, candy, I, I will not work with candy on her shooting. And I'd rather her work with one of my friends. So if I go out with a couple and we go shooting or something, I have him work with candy and I work with his wife and it works well. So I got to tell because, you, Randy, that, uh, you know, my wife drew uh, her very first archery antelope tag in 2009 here in Wyoming. And we got her mm -hmm. a bow early that summer and started shooting all summer. And, you know, there was just something a little bit wrong with her form and grip. And I was trying mm -hmm. for weeks and weeks and weeks to communicate that, hey, you're you're torquing your bow and you need to, to change your grip <laughs> angle a little bit, right? And you can, if you've mm -hmm. done this a little bit, you can just stand and watch somebody do oh, it. Yeah. It's, it's easy to pick exactly. up on. Well, right. she would not listen and would not listen because it's her husband telling her. And exactly. finally, this, this older gentleman who was schooled in archery come and gave her about a five-minute lesson and said, hey, you're doing this, do it this way. And I remember to this day, she turns to me and goes, well, how come you couldn't just say it like that? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think you are. That's the problem. But it don't, you know, it's just the way it works. And that's why I highly suggest 
especially if you're, you know, your wife or somebody's going to try to get into archery or I don't care what, a rifle, it don't matter. Get somebody else or take send them to some place and let somebody else give them some basic info first, you know, because it's just going to save you a lot of heartache. You could be, if you might shut them completely down and say, I'm never touching this freaking thing again. They'll throw it on the ground or done. So, yeah, I'd say wait you know, till I mean, they approach you. If it's a if it's a significant yeah. other or a close relative, wait till or even if yep. it's your hunting buddy, instead of ragging on them, wait till they say, "Hey man, you know, you shoot a group, they shoot a group and they can visually see that you're you're doing substantially better." And wait till they say, "Okay, what am I doing that I need to do differently?" If you wait for them to right. ask that question, then they're willing to receive that advice. If you just want to be there, because you and I have been there. We know you can see, whether it be rifle, archery, I don't care. You can see, hey, this needs to change so you can improve. You can't force that situation. No, no. And, you know, it's like same with on any of that stuff or you take them on a, you you know, you get all gung-ho and you take off for a day and first thing you know, you're eight miles from the road and then you realize, oh, now we got to hike back and they're totally exhausted. By the time they get back, they're like, I am never doing that again. So it's like, yeah, those baby steps, you know, find yeah. something that's fun. Go like antelope hunting. That's something that usually have multiple opportunities. It's not super hard necessarily, depending on where you're at and what you're doing. We built blinds over water holes really and had enjoy. short shots. So that's a great beginner yeah. hunt. Yeah. So they can have fun and see lots of stuff. You know, you got to wet their appetite before you take them on the death march. <laughs> and then make sure they want to go. <laughs> yeah. So no, I've you know I've I've made every mistake there is. So you know it's like not everyone. I'm sure I'm gonna make lots more starting today. But it's just life. So when you're trying to get somebody into hunting, or you know you just take it small steps, stuff that they're gonna enjoy. You know it's like when you're training a dog, you never want to wear that dog out. You want to quit while he's still having fun. Mm-hmm. And then he'll want to do it again. Same with people. So, Yeah, I got a little nostalgic the other day. I was looking through a photo album with my kiddos and found an old old photo from when I was 12 years old and I had bagged my first um, antelope. It was my first big game mm-hmm. animal here in Wyoming. And I remember cool. my dad had set this hunt up so that it wouldn't kill me, which I appreciate now that I'm older. But um, we... We went to a buddy's ranch. He, he has a huge ranch up in uh, Newcastle area of Wyoming. So, um, you know, it's just wide open country, real big. And, you know, they they definitely just used it as a training mission more than anything. It wasn't, you know, let's march this kid until his feet fall off or anything like that. And it, yeah, was, right. it was such a fun hunt and, you know, it was successful and it, propelled me on to continue hunting every year so that you know that's right. that's kind of the idea that you're getting at is just make it fun no exactly and you know everybody has different wants and desires and you just kind of work with them and see what they want and how far they want to take it and they may some of them are just going to be like oh they'll do and go anywhere and others are you know but like I say, I take it small steps, and but uh, for me, it's been great because Candy loves to hunt, and I do burn her down sometimes, but she's tough, and she won't quit. I wish sometimes she would just take a day off and relax, but she says every time she does, and I shoot something, and 
has to go there anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you touched on something there. That's a great way to get neighbors, friends, new people into the sport is in, invite them to your elk camp or your deer camp or just invite them camping for the weekend and just go trout fishing. Just say, hey, we're oh, going to exactly. go, you know, wet that appetite. You don't have to take them on a two-week-long wilderness elk hunt where you're doing 15, no. 20 miles yeah. a day. Yeah, and, and, you know, pack-in hunts and stuff like that, it's nothing but work. There's no doubt about it. It's fun. It's you know it's hard to explain it, but it is a ton of work. And you take the horses, and then you got to babysit the horses, and you got to get up, you know, an hour or two before you plan on leaving to get them taken care of, fed and watered, and then you get back, you got to take care of them, and, and you're still trying to hunt. Yeah, but but Randy, waking up in, in in a wall tent in the middle of the woods where you know there isn't any souls around for miles. There, you, you, there's few places on this earth that you get that type of feeling. No, I agree. Yeah, and I love it. You know, it's just part of it. And, you know, I'm some of the guys I hunt with. They're, you know, they like to hunt, but they don't like to take it as serious as I do. Oh and yeah, that's fine. You know, you know pulling... also, like one guy says to me, he's like, "Have you ever thought of like leaving at daylight?" I'm like. No, no, I really never thought of that. I have to. I've got to be where I'm going at daylight. <laughs> I got to. That be might there. be five miles from there. Yeah, I don't care where it is. I'm going to be there at daylight, mm. where I plan on hunting. Not, that's just the way it is. So, and there again, so it teaches own, and that's fine. Well, Randy, I think that comes from a little bit of your packing background. You know, I, when I worked for the outfitter, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna coin this phrase and hashtag it, but uh, you know, as as a packer. We do it day and night, right? Yeah, there's really, yeah, you just got to take care of everything. I, I've done more miles horseback in the dark than I have in the light, and that's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we, you know, even with us with stock, a lot of times, you know, once we get to camp, we basically hunt from foot, you know what I mean, so many places. And... Just get, but you still got to take care of all those animals, but they sure are nice when you get something down. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's a lot easier to carry it on a horse than on your back. Right, right. But it seems like I'm anymore, I've, I've just never had that dog on horse. <laughs> we haven't done as near as much packing as we used to, but, you know, it's still love it, so. Well, and it's, you know, like you touched on it, taking the fifth wheel up and setting camp up and having water ready, shower ready, a, a fridge and a stove, it, it's all nice. And it's it's a great way to, mm-hmm. to start. And it's a great camp and it's a good time. But the way you and I like to hunt, it that, that precludes us to saying, hey, we need to take the wall tent and the horses and get back in there. Yeah, depending on where you're going. Exactly. You know, and there's, I mean, that was funny. Like even last year I had a good friend that drew a, um, mounted her Winnehaw tag here in Oregon, and he made me promise that if he ever drew, we'd take him. So that's what we did last year. We we basically last year was our year we called giving back, and we didn't even basically hunt, but a couple days ourselves for elk with a bow, which is hard to do. But we had an absolute ball, and you know it's like we were running into some giant bulls really close to the road. Like man, everybody's blowing by these guys. Yeah, but for for everybody out there that doesn't know, Winaha in Oregon is the coveted premium. I mean, it's the creme de la creme of tags. In Oregon, yeah. Yeah. 
for Oregon. But it's still hunting, you know, and he ended up killing a nice, great bull, but it was, it wasn't the one close to the road, Ted Gummett. <laughs> <laughs> but then we had a great time, and it was, um, that, you know, that's on YouTube. It's, it's, a, it's, we had, we got terrible footage, um, but we had a good time. I've had people complain about our footage. It's like, well, I don't care. I was, you know, we're trying to hunt, we're trying to guide, we're trying to, you know, I guess you call it guiding. You're helping your friend. You're not really ain't getting paid to do this, but you're sure having fun doing it. So it's um, you know, it's tough to film and try to talk somebody through something because you're busy watching them and helping them, and the camera just kind of pointed in that direction. And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. So I have That's a part of filming. Yeah, <laughs> I have a question for you. There's a lot going on, obviously, in our country right now with all the COVID stuff and everything else, but there's also, you know, the the struggle that continues, you know, week to week, month to month, year to year about, you know, hunting and not hunting. And you've got both sides on that issue. And um, one of our passions is to keep hunting and fishing alive. And so what do you think is the key to keeping our, our sports alive over the next 10, 20 years for the next generation? Knowledge. You've got to people got to have knowledge of where their food comes from. I mean, that's what's so sad, you know, with back to the city folks, they really don't know. They don't understand. They get it at the grocery store and they, I mean, we have literally gotten, seems like the ladies get hit worse by, she can't get attacked way more than I do just because she's a lady. You killed this poor animal and this and that, you know, well, it's easy to dismiss when, Randy, when you put a picture of a dead whatever on, and, you know, if it's a deer, people are like, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of food. Predators is, you know, people are just vehemently attacking people for harvesting predators. I don't understand that fully. But, you know, it's easy to dismiss. Here's an old white boy that, you know, kills stuff. That's just, he's he's a redneck kick. Now, all of a sudden, you put a beautiful lady like Candy on there that's promoting this and they they don't have that default response that this is just the the old white boys club yeah i don't know yeah but the ladies do get attacked more and but they, you know it is knowledge it's, they got to understand that you know we we eat what we shoot and if i have extra i love it's just cooler than heck to be able to give meat to people that want it so bad and they're so appreciative um you know, we make our own salami and different things, and we give that out every year at Christmas in large quantities at times, and it's, it's cool. I mean, these people really appreciate it, and so nothing goes to waste. You know, I'm not a – even when I harvest something in the way back in there, I still take out everything I possibly can. I'm not – you know, I just – and not that anything goes to waste out there because it doesn't. There's every kind of creature in the world – eats whatever's left, but we are big fanatics on taking care of our meat properly and efficiently and, you know, and we live on it. That's what we eat. I, I, I mean, struggle to find the words to, uh, to express it, but, you know, when you pull that package of smoked fish out of the freezer or you pull that piece of backstrap out of the freezer and you share that with somebody, you know, you're sharing more than just a pound of protein, you know, it's not like I went to the store right. and, and bought a steak and or harvested my own steer. Even, even you know, ranchers who 
who harvest their own beef kind of understand it, but there's the next level mm-hmm. to when you've gone out, you've procured it, you've got up before daylight, you've hiked to be into that spot. You've then, you know, hiked out in the dark with that, you know, heavy backpack full of this protein. You go home, you clean it up and you preserve it and you share that with somebody you're sharing more than just a meal. You're sharing a lifetime of experience and, and knowledge, right? And it's it's hard yeah, to it's, encapsulate it's in words. Yeah, it's very rewarding. Right. It's rewarding. And I, I've noticed that. And the ladies even better than the guys in most places. They're so into, you know, I harvested this meat. And they're just so proud of it. And they prepare it. And, they, you know, they talk about it. It seems like more than we do. And it's cool. You know I mean? They're... It's, it's, you know, like I say, it is, it's hard to explain. And I know this organic is so big nowadays. And I'm thinking, wow, I guess I didn't realize it, but I grew up, I don't think you could be more organic than I was. And it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it, it, it's kind of a chuckle, right? It's like, you know, you're growing up on this organic meat. Like my dad, he used to bring back an elk from in back country here in Wyoming every year. And yeah, I grew up on organic meat. <laughs> yeah, organic meat, and we raise our own food. And you know, growing up as a kid, I honestly don't remember going to the grocery store, but a few times as a, as a young kid, it's, you know, we had everything we needed. We had cattle, we had everything else. And what's really funny is we didn't eat many of our own cows or anything. We we ate wild game mostly and sold the other stuff, you know, whatever. But it's um. It's just a different way of life and that than modern people aren't used to, but it was the way of life for the last however long we've been on this earth. So, I mean, that's what's so sad. They don't understand is the only thing that's changed is their attitudes toward, to this as, I mean, it was, that's just how you survive. The hunters were um, highly respected throughout history because they, brought sustenance to the people um now you know it's changed with the big city people all of a sudden think it's like i'm not sure you know they just just, they don't have common sense i mean we're short on common sense and we can't they don't teach that in school so well randy i think that's a, a great place to just just call it and we'll uh we really appreciated having you on and I'd, I'd like to sit down and when we can get over this COVID crap, have you and Randy and are you and candy in person and we can, we can hash out yeah, some more. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, have some, we'll have fun. Yeah. You should come out to Wyoming. Talk and we'll, about we'll go do something. Yeah. Well, I, I got enough point now I can get a general tag. So <laughs> Got to get back out there and go do it again. But yeah, no, Wyoming's a beautiful place. I've been, Oregon's starting to make me nervous. I don't know (laughs) where I need to go. We sold our house recently. We were living in our travel trailer for a few months before I build again. I'm thinking, man, maybe I should rethink where I put my roots down. (laughs) That's a whole nother podcast is uh, Oregon. You know, as you know, you you and I have hunted together, but I I grew up on the other side of the Cascades. And, you know, you touched on it with the cats. I, I would have never left that state and I would have never left blacktail hunting if it would have, you know, continued, but it's, it's not that anymore. No, it's, yeah, things are changing and it's just not always, once again, you said, you know, how you change your mind is you've got to somehow inform them, but you can't, excuse me, 
You got a bug down my throat. <laughs> you got to somehow talk to them logically, but you can't talk logic with unlogical people. So, <clears throat> well, now, Wy- Wyoming's full, but I, I hear there's room in Montana. <laughs> so, <right. clears throat> so well, uh, you just got to have the ones of like mind. <laughs> yeah. How do how do people uh, watch your show and find out more about you? Well, if they want to go to Randy and Candy Yow's Extreme Desire on YouTube, if you'll Google Extreme Desire, I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, you can watch a lot of the episodes on there. We don't have them all on there, but we got there's a lot on there, a lot of quick tips and a lot of different things. And we haven't been as good as we should at keeping everything up to date, but we'll hopefully this winter get more time and get some more stuff out there. We've got several hunts we should get on there, but, um, but yeah, there's, go to there and learn, see more about us. Yep. And then also Candy's got that ladies hunting camp. So people can Google that and yeah. go check that out yep. and maybe give that as a gift. Ladies hunting, yeah. Ladies hunting camp. And that you pop, you type that in and it'll pop up and you can see how much fun all them girls have. All right. And like I said, we're doing, more advanced camps too now. We so they're the one in Wyoming that we had to cancel was going to be a long range um, scouting advanced camp, and it was going to be a lot of fun. But next year we'll do it. It'll be in Sheridan, up in the Bighorns, and they're out of Sheridan for the long range. And but and then probably this spring, maybe in Arizona, we'll have one. And then, but yep. Yeah. We'll have multiple camps if this COVID thing ever passes. Yep. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And everybody out there, if you'd do us a favor, go check out radcastoutdoors.com. We'll have show notes with links for you um, for what we're talking about today. Also, go to our social. Please like and share. Um, We can't do any of this without reviews and all of you following us. So we, we just really appreciate everybody doing that. And again, Randy, thanks for taking the time to be on with us today. No problem. Thank you, guys. Yep. Have a great day. You too. Catch you later, Randy. Bye. Okay. Yeah, take with you. Bye-bye. Ha, Niake. Hello, and welcome to the Indian Relay, a podcast from the Wind River Indian Reservation. Our people have stories. We have stories to tell about our culture, our land, and our history. We have conversations to share about our families, schools, youth, and events. We have wisdom from our elders, which you should hear. We laugh, we struggle, and we celebrate. We live on the Wind River, and we want to relay ourselves to you. Every episode of this show will be a little different as we bring together different hosts, elders, storytellers, personalities, language experts, youth, and more to laugh, learn, and share. This is the Indian Relay Podcast.